Carolina, you're watching My Fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cohen. Hey, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Welcome to the show. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Clap for bringing the new year. New year, new you. How would you know this new year was going to bring a new you unless you kept clapping? Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. I'm so happy to have you today, uh, tonight, uh, on this uh, January 2nd of the year of our Lord 2019. This is a big deal. Uh, not only is this a new year uh, and new me, new Spike Cohen, uh, but it's also the, uh, and I just realized this as I was setting up, this is the six month anniversary of my fellow Americans, which is it's a big deal to me. I don't know about you, but it's a big deal to me. I'm definitely happy to have you on. This is a Muddied Waters Media production. Check us out on Facebook uh, at Muddied Waters of Freedom. Check us out on YouTube at Muddied Waters Media. Uh, check us out on Instagram. Check us out on SoundCloud. Check us out on Twitter. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on all the different podcasting apps. Uh, and also check us out on MuddiedWatersOfFreedom.com. You can see everything there. Uh, be sure to check us out in all of our shows. Um, thank you, as always, to Kroger for this delicious purified drinking water. Bulubanaka. And uh, the intro and outro music that I use on this and every episode of My Fellow Americans is from the uh, wonderful and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook. Check him out on SoundCloud. Check him out on Bandcamp. Uh, check him out everywhere. He's a great uh, musician and a musical artist, and we love him. Uh, thank you so much, Mr. Joe Davi. Shout out to Tehran Turks' mom and him, as always. Guys, I am super excited to present my guest tonight. Uh, when he asked to come on, I instantly knew this would be an awesome episode. He's one of the funniest guys I know. Um, you've probably, possibly seen his videos of him roaming the streets of New York, angering the entire left everywhere he goes. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, please welcome to my show the Muslim conservative, my good friend, Mr. Kareem El Saeed. Kareem, thank you for. Oh, good. I'm going to have to fix that while I'm talking to you. Kareem, thank you so much for joining the show. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you on, and I wish you weren't so tiny, and I'm not sure what's happening there. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thanks for having. Thanks for coming on. And uh, what is causing that? That's fun. Huh. Anyway, um, yeah, thanks for coming on. And uh, also, um, guys, be sure to comment with any thoughts or questions that you have for me and Kareem, and uh, we will let you know if you're right or wrong. Um, also, I want to thank you, uh, before we get started, for inspiring what became my absolute favorite promo picture so far. Um, for those who haven't seen it, let me show it to you real quick. A um, little bit of backstory here. Uh, whenever I have a guest on, I ask for them, for them to send me a picture that they want me to use in their promo. Uh, when I asked Kareem 
uh, when I asked you, uh, you said, oh, I know the perfect one. And like 15 seconds later, you sent me this picture uh, of you uh, with the American flag as a schmog and wearing a uh, uh, and, and wielding a rifle. Um, it was such an inspiration uh, that I realized I had to take uh, the promo pictures that I usually do to a completely different level. And frankly, I love it. And the more I, I look at it, um, I may just do our entire episode like this, actually. <laughs> no, I'm probably not going to. But um, yeah, so thanks for coming on. Um, and, uh, now the first thing that we ask, and I will, while you're doing this, that'll give me time to figure out what's going on with your, with your picture. Um, uh, but the first thing that I ask, uh, any guests that I have come on is, you know, how would you describe your beliefs, your political, social beliefs, whatever? And, and how would you say you got there? Is it like an aha moment? Was there kind of this steady evolution from your previous beliefs? Have you always felt that way? Talk to us a little bit about that. So, um, I, uh, I grew up in a very liberal town, um, and, and, you know, high school, I was always told that, you know, the Democrats are the ones that care about us and whatnot. And for, a, to, and I believe that to a certain extent, right. But then I began questioning, um, what exactly do the Democrats believe in, you know, what the hell is FICA? Um, when I got my first job, so, you know, I wasn't really on board the, the whole, you know, liberal train, right? but I mostly just kept to myself about it. It was only until I went to college that I began to, that I began to explore, you know, the other political parties, uh, specifically the conservative party, right? Um, one of the first books that I've read, no, one of the first books that got me into politics was um, The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. And nice. it just makes so much sense in terms of how the economy should be. You know, whole free market economics and the theory behind the free market system. And I, you know, delved into it a little more and I realized that in theory, the Republican Party should support a free market system. Right. Because it, you know, it promotes... Uh, free enterprise, economic growth, innovation. So it was that period that got me into the whole conservative movement. So I wouldn't necessarily consider myself, you know, a mainstream Republican. You know, I, you know, best party that I would align myself with would be the Republican Liberty Caucus. You know, I think they uh, embody what the founding fathers envisioned, you know, for the states. Cool, cool. So, and so, like you said, you've you've got, uh, and it looks like I've got you all set up now. Cool, um, good. Welcome to the show. Well, now we can see you. Um, so you'd say you kind of started off sort of a standard issue person in their you know late teens, early twenties, kind of assuming that you know the that the left was more correct than the right, and then through your own you know uh, research and things like that, you kind of came out to be more of a more of a conservative. Absolutely. And it's also from a religious perspective as well that the right, uh, that the conservative party better aligns with Islam than the Democratic Party, Um, mainly, you know, regarding social issues as well as um, business practices and, um, you know, just like in terms of um, economics. Right, right, right. Now that and that's an interesting thing because 
and maybe it's because of um, I, I don't know how it was be, before, say, nine eleven and and the war on terror and all the things that happened during the Bush administration. At least during the time I've followed it, it seems like the majority of Muslims in the U.S. vote um, Democrat or or you know kind of lean more towards um, more towards the left. I, I don't know if that's always been the case. Was that the case, for example, like prior to the war on terror and all that? Has that kind of always been the case in recent times, or, or do you know? Um, no, no, it, definitely not. Um, a lot of Muslims, especially the older generations, uh, voted Republican. My father, for example, voted for the Bushes um, when uh, I believe in the 80s. My dad was a hardline uh, right winger. OK. Um, but I think there's still, you know, a good portion of Muslims, at least older Muslims, that lean right rather right. than the younger generations. And I think that has to do with the fact that the Democrats, um, they appear more welcoming to minorities, and that attracts a lot of the younger Muslims. Oh, okay. A lot of the rhetoric that the, that comes off that comes out of the right the, the right movement, they. Um, seem a bit like, you know, anti-immigrants. Right. I mean, obviously, we're, you know, that's not the case, but, you know, that's how they perceive it. Whereas the Democrats are all, you know, welcome everybody. We, you know, we love, you know, brown people. We love people of color. So that really attracted, you know, the younger generations to become Democrats and vote Democrats. Right. And you've got sort of, I mean, within the right, obviously, there's a bunch of different opinions, but the main two camps are, tend to be, the ones that say, well, you know, uh, we're okay with immigration. We just want, you know, you to go through a legal process or whatever. And then there's a group that really is just anti-immigrant. I mean, they're they're and it, and it may or may not be a brown thing. It's just they think there's enough people here, and you know, we, we can't have anyone else. So, I, I, yeah, I guess I can see that. There's also a lot, and I wanted to talk about this more later. There's a lot of anti-Islamic um, uh, and anti-Muslim rhetoric out of the right that I'm sure detracts people. But it's interesting to me because. If you can't tell from uh, the myriad of cues that I have everywhere, I'm Jewish. Um, uh, and from this uh, stately beard I've grown out, that doesn't mean anything. Um, but uh, um, but the majority of Jews are Jewish. Or the majority of Jews are Jewish. The majority of Jews uh, tend to vote on the left side or they tend to think on the left side. And, and I wonder if that's because when they came here as immigrants, they kind of got similar treatment to... Uh, to to what what Muslims did, or if it's a completely different reason, but it seems like the natural fit for especially religiously devout Christians, Muslims, Jews would be more towards the right, just because that tends to reflect their, um, I guess, social and religious values more than than the left would. Yes, no, no, uh, definitely for sure. Yeah, um, it, it's just from what I've you know seen and experienced. The, uh, the values the liberals uphold are antithetical to Islam, uh, as well as, uh, from my understanding, Christianity and Judaism. Right. Now, so it's interesting that you mentioned that because you talked about incompatibility with Islam. One of the things that I'm told often uh, when I tell people about, uh, especially people on the right, when I tell them about you know, my Muslim friends that are conservative that I'll say, you know, look, I'm not even a conservative. I'm an anarchist, but my, I have, you know, Muslim friends that are, are, you know, in some cases far right, or at least they, they lean away from, you know, they lean towards, uh, um, 
they lean towards oh no i think i lost i think i lost kareem well, while i'm trying to reconnect with him let me go through the comments here uh pg newser says dang it this is really disappointing i see from the label that this is the local jew show uh which one is the national jew show i keep missing that and catching this this is um this is until further notice the local jew show paul so i don't know what to tell you there um is that a hookah i think it's called a shisha shisha i think it's called a shisha and i'm gonna try to reconnect because i'm not sure what happened here um yeah, I lost my guest. Uh, and no, that's not what I want. And then no, no, that's not what I want. Oh, good. I like when this happens while I'm live. Um, so I'll try reconnecting with him. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, hold on. I, my computer's crapped up. I'm on my phone right now. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I can hear you fine. Okay, hold on. Okay, no problem. Can you see me? Yes, and now I get to once again... <laughs> I get to once again reconfigure you. Okay, cool. So, uh, okay, well, you're back on, so that's that's good. So, um, yeah, I was just going through the comments, and it was mostly people ragging on me. Um, so, something I, I want to ask you about while you're on here, and that'll also give me time again to, uh, to figure out how to make it where people can see you. Um, one thing I'm told often when I when I tell people on the right that I have, you know, conservative, constitutionalist, you know, patriotic Muslim friends, and they'll say, well, that's impossible because Sharia law is incompatible with the Constitution. And if they're telling you that, then um, they're actually engaging in taqiyya. So they're just trying to um, tell you that so that they can get your, you know, get on your good side so that they can then, I guess, behead me. I'm not sure. I I I I haven't fully fleshed out what they think is going to happen once once you've gotten on my good side. But I just want to give you a chance to talk about your you know what's your opinion on that when someone says you know your uh, belief system or, or specifically Sharia law is incompatible with uh, with you know constitutionalism or, or 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 for those of us who like I mean I don't not terribly concerned about the Constitution for someone like me who would be more concerned about you know, your respect for private property rights or for, you know, private, you know, for, for individual rights and things like that. What, what do you say to people who, who say that your, your beliefs and your quote unquote legal system are incompatible with that? So there's a huge, huge misconception about what Sharia law is and what it entails. Right. And I know, I understand their, you know, I sympathize with their concerns, you know, it's a, foreign you know doctrine and you know it may seem very intimidating but you know sharia is not mutually it's not exclusively judicial right Right. that is just one small aspect of it you know sharia is much like what the halakha is right or the uh, ten commandments it's a way of life right from how you pray how you eat to you know how to properly clean yourself and you know, it encompasses all facets of life um, for a Muslim. And so regarding, you know, the judicial aspect of it, there isn't just one Sharia law, right? There's multiple schools of thought that um, interpret the laws differently, 
you know, you have the uh, four main Sunni ones, Hanifi, uh, Shafia, Mbali, and Maliki, right? And right. they're constantly evolving to an extent. Um, you know, it's a very complex system of law that isn't, you know, set, that, that isn't necessarily set in stone if you, you know, in a sense. So, you know, when people, you know, when right, when hardline right-wingers say, oh, they're going to come and they're going to try to put Sharia law, you know, as a law of the land above the Constitution, I just laugh at that because, one, you cannot force Sharia on an unwilling population because that just leads to heresy. You know, Sharia has to be something that one must willingly and voluntarily engage in. Or else it's kind you of know. pointless, right? Like the whole the whole point of it is is like you said, bringing up uh, halacha or or, or halacha or, or specifically what people know as the Old Testament law. Um, it's the same kind of dynamic that if you're not intentionally, if you're not um, voluntarily submitting to it, uh, then it's kind of pointless. Like the whole the whole point is to show your submission to to you know God's law for back of lack of a better word. Um, and it doesn't really. I'm almost there. Uh, it doesn't really, you know, make sense to to try to force people into it. Now, obviously, there are states, there are countries where they are forcing that, and we've talked extensively about that, um, about like in Saudi Arabia and places like that, where they do kind of where they do force people into those things. What are your thoughts on, for example, for people who say, okay, well, if if we let Muslims in here, um, they're going to try to make you know, the U.S. like Saudi Arabia. What is your response to that? It's one massive hope. It's 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 not like I, I, I try not to entertain those concerns because it's just practically impossible. <laughs> it's, you know, the United States is a huge country, huge country. Right. So it, it's not feasible to apply, you know, Sharia law you know, on a nationwide scale. Because people are not, I mean, I, I, like, it's so far out there, I can't even begin to be able to comprehend how we, you know, how it would be done. It's just impossible. You know, um, it, it's like, it's, it's, it's not, you know, something where you just, you know, come into office, just toss the constitution out and then apply to real life. It does not work like that. <laughs> well, and if it did, you have... I mean, the vast majority of Americans, even still, I mean, it's, we're not as religious as we used to be, but the vast majority of Americans are either Christian or Muslim or Christian or Jewish, um, which means that they follow uh, at least, you know, they, they follow either the whole by the, the new and old testaments or just the Tanakh, which is the basically the Old Testament plus uh, a few other books. Um but that has the mosaic laws in it that has the 613 uh, 613 mitzvot in it which are every bit i mean when i read when someone will share these you know scary parts of the you know they'll say well look in the quran it says you have to do this and you have to do that and i'll say yeah that's it says very similar stuff in the bible as well um and we all you know believe in the bible and yet we're not living that way so in my mind if if it were as feasible to force everyone under Sharia law, as people say, then we'd already be living under something pretty close to it, you know, because of what it says in, in, in Old Testament, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, let's, okay, um, let's just say for argument's sake, you know, okay, Sharia law is applied somehow. Right. Like, you know, miraculously um, applied. 
there wouldn't be that much of a difference than what life is today. I mean, sure, you might see a bit more people flying off roofs, but it's... Uh, <laughs> it's you know, it's a, a few eggs in an omelet, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that was inappropriate. No, no, no. It's fine. This That's what we do on the show. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's... I. Like the basic tenets are the same, you know, do good, you know, unto others what you'd like, you know, be done unto you, um, you know, respect property, um, you know, don't steal from your neighbors, um, you know, don't lie, don't cheat, you know, it's, it's the Sharia law is basically, it goes into the specifics that the Ten Commandments doesn't, you know right. what I mean? Well, yeah, just as the... So the Ten Commandments came before the the six hundred and thirteen mitzvot as well, and it was it's the same thing. They went, it, they took what was kind of a broad outline in the Ten Commandments and said, "Okay, this isn't working. We're going to get really super specific on the specific animals you can eat and the specific things you can do at this time of day, and you know the specific and and, and really like break it down so that you're living in a very um, uh, structured uh, way if you're actually following all all of those laws, which I'm not even sure is fully possible in in, in the Western world, um, but." Um, yeah, so one thing we've talked about is in the past is, you know, the the Wahhabist and the Salafists and people like that who have taken a very hard line interpretation of of the the, the Quran uh, and the, the Hadiths. Um, why hey, Spike. You... Um, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, so I'm gonna switch the webcam to my laptop. It's back on again. Okay. All right. So just give me one second. Um, I'll give you a call right now. One second. Okay, no problem. So let me go through. Zach Krug, local Jew here too. Shout out to my local Jews. Um, and yeah, he's calling. Hey, how are you? Sorry about that. No problem. Now I get to play with your thing again. Your, uh, your. <laughs> I get to. I'm having so much fun this episode trying to get you looking right. Um, cool. So, yeah. So, let me... We'll start a subject and I'll work on that. So, um, you were talking about how you're um, a... Uh, you, you lean more towards, I guess, the libertarian side of the the right. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the Republican Liberty Caucus. W- what are the things... I mean, I think we know the type of stuff that you agree with that's, that's being done... Uh, uh, by the Trump administration and by government in general, the tax cuts, regulation cuts. Um, uh, I, I assume. Uh, d- let me ask you something. Do you agree with the 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 the, <coughs> the decision to pull out of Syria and and all that stuff? Or because uh, the right seems to be kind of back and forth. There's some disagreement there on whether they agree with it. I'm happy about it, but I don't know how you feel about it. So I completely support Trump and his initiative to you know pull out of Syria. Okay. Um, you know. The United States has to abandon the whole notion that it could, you know, be the policeman of the world, right? right. Um, it's simply not our fight. It's we have to hold regional powers accountable for, you know, the um, the conflicts that are taking place there. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea why we're backing Saudi Arabia in Yemen or, um, you know, what we're doing in Syria. I mean, I don't even know that we have an idea of what we're doing in Syria. Are we like, you know, fighting against Assad? Are we trying to, you know, uh, keep him in power, but not, you know, be outwards with it. 
right? <laughs> um, it's just one major cluster. Oh, goddamn McAfee virus things. <laughs> so it's just um, like we just have so many more problems, you know, than to concern ourselves with the affairs of other countries, especially in the Middle East. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I agree 100%. So then what would you say are the things that you that you disagree with with what the Trump administration's doing? Like what are the I mean I'm sure we, you could nitpick a few things but like what would you say are like the top two or three things that you disagree with? I honestly I'm going to have to say with you know moving um the embassy to Jerusalem and <laughs> you know uh recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital it just completely thwarts any sort of peace uh, plan that was already in motion, right? Um, I think that the United States shouldn't have, you know, jumped the gun on that one. It should have left Jerusalem to be determined by the two parties in the conflict, you know, the Israelis and the Palestinians. They should determine the final status of Jerusalem, right? But, you know, as by the United States taking a position where, okay, we recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, they just effectively remove themselves as the, you know, unbiased uh, negotiators in the plan, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, I'm, you know, people ask me if I support the Israeli state and I say, I don't support any state. So, um, <laughs> um, but, um, and I actually wanted to talk with you more about that in a bit, but I, I, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, domestic stuff. So like, for example, um, I know you're probably with me in um, being fine with the government being shut down as long as they want it to be shut down. Absolutely. Yeah, ideally it'll stay like this indefinitely. That's that's my thing. Every time when they're like, you know, this week, the you know X Y Z agency runs out of funds, I'm like, that's yes. This is what, like when they started, they're like, oh, you know, eight percent of government is shut down. I'm like, that's nothing. And now we're up to twenty five. I'm like, yes, these are real numbers we're talking about here. Um, so no, I'm fine with that. Um, but uh, what what is your thought on like um, on the bump stock ban? I'm against any sort of ban or any right. sort of regulation, especially when it comes to the Second Amendment matters, because it's a slippery slope. You know, we give them an inch, they'll take a yard. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, there are a ton of people that the, the main argument from Trump supporters and Republicans who are in favor of it or don't care about it, they'll say, well, I don't own one. All right. Well, do you own every single type of firearm? If not, then then, you know there's a lot of guns that can be banned that you shouldn't have a problem with. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. It's a huge, it's, it's a slippery slope. And what's scary about it is they actually said, they didn't just say this one thing, we don't want you to have it. They said this thing, this piece of plastic is a machine gun. And so we're going to retroactively say any of these that exist have to be turned in to be destroyed. And a, the fact that they're retroactively banning stuff and B that they're now saying that basically in on inanimate pieces of, of plastic are machine guns. The idea that that's not going to, you know, mutate into, into a lot other, a lot of other things being banned as machine guns. Um, seems kind of crazy to me. Um, so I wanted to talk with you. So we were, you brought up Israel and, and, and Palestine. Um, the fighting over there and the arguing around the world, it, it really makes me sad, obviously because of the loss of life and, and, and all of that, but but it, but even just the debate makes me sad because historically it was Jews and Muslims that were getting along and fighting together against Christian crusaders. So it's kind of an interesting <laughs> dynamic that like all of a sudden, and, it, and it, it's not always been that way. There's, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, multi, 
multi-front wars and and you know multiple alliances and things like that but it's it's not this what we're what we're told that it is where you know um you know the christians and the jews are on this side and the muslims are on this side historically it wasn't that way and um one in fact one of the reasons for so much bad blood against jews in europe during the period of the crusades was the perception and some of it was justified but the perception that the jews that were in europe were infiltrating and cooperating with the muslim enemy so it, it part of the the rise of anti-semitism uh, against jews in in europe which some of that carries over today was the perception that jews were were helping the the muslims in the in the fight against christians um what do you think happened recently to change this dynamic that, you know, that it's now, you know, I guess Muslims against the world or Muslims against the Western world or against Judeo-Christians? So, um, when the uh, Zionist National Congress back in the late 19th century uh, approached the then Ottoman Empire uh, to, you know, establish... Uh, a state, um, the Ottomans have shot them down, right? And there were numerous periods, you know, numerous attempts on behalf of Jews to, you know, um, like just reach an agreement. But and at one point, ninety percent of the land was going to be given to the Palestinians just for the sake of peace. And the Arabs, you know, in the late, um, you know, in the mid twentieth century, just said nope. We don't want you guys here at all. And it was that sentiment that, right. you know, sort of created this um, this whole problem where, okay, see, now they're against Jews, right? And, you know, follow, you know, what, what happened in World War II and the, uh, you know, with Nazi Germany. Uh, a lot of the Western powers and a lot of the Western population began to sympathize with the Jews, right? Well, you know, they're trying to escape persecution. We need to, you know, they, they, they started harboring friendly sentiment towards Jews. And when they saw what was being done between, you know, Jews and Muslims, they sort of started positioning themselves alongside the Jews. So that's that, that's when I think it began, you know, that relationship between Christians and Jews against the Muslims. So at a time when that's interesting. So at a because I never really made that connection. So at a time when the Western world, which essentially means the Christian world, was uh, uh, was um, sympathizing with Jews and saying the Jews need a homeland and and we support that. At that exact same time, you have uh, Muslims and, and Arabs saying, "Well, this is our land, and we don't want to we we don't want them to come here and, t- and take our land." And that kind of created this dynamic of like, "Oh, well, then you must hate Jews and and." You know, you must be against Jews. Now, my understanding, and you can correct me on this or, or adjust as needed. My understanding of of the um, the the Quran and, and of of Islamic teachings is that it recognizes, um, if not an Israeli state, but it recognizes that Jews should be allowed in in you know Israel or in the in the Holy Land. Um, and, and I'm not sure how distinct that is. Is it, is it that they deserve to that they should be able to have their own land or that they should be able to live in that land. What's the distinction there? So the Quran specifically states that the land of, um, you know, Judea and Samaria, like current day Israel was promised to the Jews by God through the covenant. Right. Right. And in numerous, um, parts of the Quran, it says, you know, when it talks about the end of times, they say, uh, it says, 
you know, and we will gather the children of Israel together, you know, implying that they're going to be in Israel. It's mm-hmm. their home. There's a solid, there's a very solid, connect, you cannot deny the connection between Jerusalem and, and, and Jews. You just right. can't. Right. You know, the uh, temples once stood there long before, you know, Mejid al-Aqsa was a thing. Right. So, um, it's like, I'm like, I think personally that it's not so much religious reasons that, you know, Muslims are against Jews. It's more so the fact that there was a population living there, you know, pre 1948. Right. 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 You know, the Arab population was there. And I guess like that, what formed the basis of the current refugee today was the Sykes-Picot agreement and, and um, you know, during World War One, right. and, you know, Lord Balfour's declaration where he said, you know, the, the British kingdom stands, you know, with the Jews to establish the Jewish homeland. Right. Um, so this was all like around the 1920s. And that's when, um, you know, this whole division started. And so you had a Western power that was coming in into it. So for those who don't know what the Sykes-Picot Agreement is, without getting into too, too much detail, after World War One, the, uh, the, 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 the Allied powers have defeated the, um, the, uh, what the, the Germans, Austro, Austro-Hungarian Empire, the, and the, um, and the Ottoman Empire, which was essentially the Turks. Uh, but they, but the, at that point, the Ottoman Empire pretty much controlled all of the Middle East, right? I mean, pretty much. Yeah, for the yeah. most part, yeah. And so, with with that uh, conflict over, with the World War One over, you now had the the French, the British, and to some extent the U.S. basically coming in and uh, drawing arbitrary lines to determine what the countries uh, uh, of the the Middle East were going to look like. And you know, obviously, you know, if you picture you know, we're in a war and, and, you know, the Chinese come in and go, okay, well, this is no longer South Carolina. This is now, you know, we think that it's, you know, it, that the, uh, I don't know, the, uh, the, the, the New Zealanders deserve more land. So we're going to bring them in or, or whatever. I mean, that, that, that you start splitting up this land in somewhat arbitrarily and on political lines and, and, uh, you know, setting up these, these potentates to take over certain parts of it and things like that. So I think there was some just general, uh, anger about that, but then you're bringing in a bunch of, at that point, several generations in of having been in Europe, basically mostly white people and saying, okay, these are the Jews and, uh, which they are, I mean, they're the Jews, but these are the Jews and this is now their homeland. And there was a lot of, I guess, uh, um, uh, intolerance of that. And, and I, I kind of, I kind of get that. The other thing that's here, and, and I don't know how, how comfortable you, I'll bring it up if you want. So what the Israel that is talked about in the Bible or the, the Tanakh or the, the Quran is a, even if it's not a kingdom, it's a religious state for religious Jews. It has a religious purpose. The, what we call Israel, the modern state of secular state of Israel was founded by, mostly by atheist Marxists. And um, there isn't even up until recently, there wasn't even any actual mention of faith or God in any of their founding documents. It was a very, you know, secular thing. You know, if you go to Israel and I'm told it's I've never been, I'm told it's an absolutely beautiful country. But it's also it is a it is a essentially a left wing socialist 
you know, uh, uh, there are a lot of religious people there, but but the actual structure of the state is decidedly secular and, and downright agnostic. And I, I think that, you know, even if you have that religious belief that, you know, Jews are entitled to, uh, to, to Israel, that's different from saying people of a Jewish ethnicity are able to set up a atheist socialist republic in the middle of the Holy Land. So, no, yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the Israel that is referenced in the Bible and the Quran, you know, the kingdom of Israel, as it's, you know, called, it, right. it, it's an entirely different thing than what the modern state of Israel is. Right. Um, mainly because in Israel, it's like you said, it's a secular society, you know, it's democratic and uh, democracy in itself is antithetical to Judaism, Christianity, and Islam because it places man-made laws above divine laws. Right. 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 So I personally don't consider the state of Israel today to be the kingdom of Israel. They don't consider that. I mean, they'll use that iconography for political purposes, but, you know, but they they don't consider that. They're not governing by the 613 mitzvot or by even the Ten Commandments. They're governing by... Uh, essentially, in, in many ways, a, a Western style of a very, it's a Western social democracy that's been inhabited largely by white people. <laughs> like it's a, I, I get the, I get the, uh, the, the rejection of that when we're being told, well, Israel is the land of the Jews. Yeah, I guess that's still technically true, but it's not the land of the Jews in the sense of what we're told in the Bible. It's the land of people with Jewish ethnicity that have set up, and, and a lot of them are religious. Um, a lot of them are religious Jews, but a lot of them are not. It is a decidedly secular-leaning country, and they have set up an entirely secular government, and that's not, you know, if we're going to lean on religious backing for why there should be a Jewish homeland and why that part of the Middle East shouldn't be every bit as, you know, Arab dominated as, as the rest of the Middle East. If we're using a, 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 you know, if we're using private, private property rights and saying, you know, well, you know, that's, you know, they have the land and they own it and they should be able to, you know, voluntarily, uh, uh, cooperate with others. That's one thing. But if we're using a religious, uh, framework for why they should be allowed there, uh, this ain't it. Like this is this state is not it. I, I wanted to ask you because when I look at all the different actors, Netanyahu and whoever's in charge of Hamas and uh, Mahmoud Abbas, and it doesn't seem like there's any. And this is politics in general, but it doesn't really seem to me like there's any good actors. Like it seems like everyone is kind of manipulating the 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 you know the anxiety and fear and hatred on their side to you know to to you know play this game of risk in the in the in you know on the on the the theater of the middle east do you see anyone that actually seems to be like in in a prominent position that's a good actor no (laughs) no I, i yeah i don't either it's 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 sad it's sad i i you would hope that especially after this long of, of, you know, this much fighting that someone would step up. I wanted to ask you about this because I, I talked with Mohammed. He was on two weeks ago and I asked him about this. When you, when you uh, growing up, what was your, and I'll go ahead and tell you how I grew up. I, I'm curious what you were told about Jews um, yeah. because when I grew up, I grew up in the, I was born in Baltimore, but we were, I was raised in the deep South. So I went around a lot of Muslims and I was taught that, 
you know, Muslims are hate Jews and want to kill us. And, and, you know, for lack of a better word, it wasn't Muslims are bad. It was just, you know, Muslims hate us and, and, you know, they're, they're, they're coming to, you know, they're, they, they don't like us and they, they're going to try to hurt us. And I wasn't really around Muslims at that time. There weren't really a lot of Muslims in my area. And if there were, they certainly know where I would have, you know, they, I don't believe we had a single Muslim classmate. I certainly had another, didn't have any, um, Arab classmates. So I had no real exposure getting older, meeting Muslim people, um, being exposed to the internet where I could actually do my own research on these types of things. I saw it was way more nuanced than, than what I had been told as a, as a kid. And I've heard from other Muslims that they heard an almost identical thing about Jews growing up, that Jews don't like us and they're trying to steal from us and they hate us and they want to kill us. You know, just out of curiosity, what, what, what was your exposure before you actually started meeting Jews? You know, what was your exposure to, or have you always been around Jews? What was your, what was your, what you were told about Jews? So, you know, growing up, my father always had Al Jazeera, you know, on the TV. My parents had Arabic, uh, you know, channels. Okay. So, you know, as a child, I would, um, you know, I'd watch TV with my parents. And in more cases than often, there was, you know, they were watching Al Jazeera or Al Ahram, like, you know, various like Arab media. And I, what we can, what I was consistently exposed to was, basically the IDF, the shooting at, you know, people. Right. right. So that sort of like harbored, you know, that sentiment sort of like planted itself in me. And, uh, you know, overhearing my dad talk to my mom, like, oh, you know, look at what the Jews are doing to the Palestinians. They're killing them. You know, right. they're killing them they're Muslims. They want to take back the message of Aqsa. You know, so, you know, hearing that from my, you know, parents and seeing that on TV, seeing, you know, people being shot by the Israeli military sort of reinforced that notion that, okay, they really do want to, you know, kill Muslims. They don't like us. Right. Cause you're actually seeing footage of them killing Muslims. <laughs> like, exactly. It's, it's, and you're, not, you're not getting any kind of context. You're just getting Jews are here are Jews in tanks with guns killing Muslims. And it's interesting because this is a very similar. So I grew up seeing Saddam Hussein launching missiles at Israel and Yasser Arafat, uh, you know, calling for, you know, uh, suicide bombings against Israelis or, you know, th- these types of things. Or, you know, I, I was now I was raised that everyone hated the Jews and we needed to be careful. I, I think that's probably why I'm an anarchist, because I was raised on on don't trust anyone propaganda my whole life. But, you know, er- everyone's out to get us. Um, when 9-11 happened, my dad called me and said uh, they uh, terrorists have uh, destroyed the World Trade Center and they're going to blame the Jews. So that was sort of my exposure in life was that, you know, that, uh, that, you know, everyone uh, didn't, you know, no one trusted the Jews and no one liked the Jews and everyone was going to kill us, um, uh, which I've learned is, is a little bit more nuanced than that. But um, growing up, I saw sort of the other side of what you're talking about. I saw the, without any context, I saw the, you know, I saw, you know, Scud missiles going towards Israel. I saw, um, you know, suicide bombers and things like that. And even more recently, you know, people throwing rocks and that kind of stuff. And you're, and you're told, again, just presenting that one side, well, they want to kill us. And if you say, well, okay, but there's also, they didn't just start doing that out of nowhere. There's, there's, there's bullets and missiles and, and, you know, whatever going both ways. Um, you know, so, so I, I, that's a good thing about the internet is that people are able to look up this stuff themselves. Um, but so I guess my question to you is what is it that other than, you know, meeting people that aren't exactly like us, what is the biggest thing that Jews and Muslims should be doing, especially considering our, our historical ties 
that we can be doing on an individual level to to bridge the gaps that that these powerful people are are putting in place to try to keep us divided so okay so um there are so much more similarities than there are differences between the jews and muslims i mean you could look at you know look at the quran look at the torah it's almost like i would say 85 percent of it is identical Mm -hmm. you know i've always said that judaism and islam are two sides of the same coin Right. Right. So start with the books. It 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 reiterates the similarities on multiple occasions. Um, you know, aside from you know the religious, but look at the culture. You know, the food. <laughs> There's just so much more. You know, like it's the same. It's essentially the same thing. You know, um, engage in dialogue. You know, talk to one another. You know there's no need to be awkward around each other, right? right. You know, there's a conflict going on. You know that there are, you know, conflicting uh, views, but, you know, at the very basis of it all, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, Jews and Muslims are, are more related than, you know, I mean, genetically as well, the Arabs and, you know, the Israelites or the, the Phoenicians, the, the Nanites, you know, there's a, genetic similarity you know that doesn't exist with you know christians and you know people of christian populations and muslim populations right right, right, with the exception of coptic christians or eastern orthodox christians right 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 so um it's it's just you know knowledge is power at the end of the day yeah yeah you know i agree you do a little research and you'll begin to you know go down the rabbit hole Basically, you know, a lot of the things that you've been told is going to be disproven quite quickly if you, you know, take the time to do the research yourself. Yeah. And that was it was actually pretty freeing for me when I started doing the research, because when you're told, you know, one and a half billion or one point seven billion or people hate you, that's kind of heavy, man. Like, you know, you're like, man, that's a lot of people that hate me. Like, I don't want to be hated. Like, you know, and when I started reading this stuff and I'm like, no, this is way more. There's so many factors that are involved, things we haven't even talked about yet. Like, I mean, uh, the, you look at the amount of Western uh, in, uh, intrusion into the Muslim world or, 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 or the Holy Land or the, the Middle East or even just, I guess, the, the, the far the Near East in general, North Africa, um, the Middle East, Central Asia, that whole region, you know, um, there's a lot of outside stuff that has happened that has, has created a lot of uh, 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 bad blood, but it doesn't have to be that way. I wanted to talk with you about the, um, for example, the Muslim Brotherhood and, and, and groups like that and their ties to um, Western government. So, you know, as we both know, there's been, especially during the Cold War, you had the, the uh, you know, U.S. and Western powers that were sponsoring, uh, you know, the most militant groups in the, in the Middle East and Central Asia and, and North Africa that they could find to fight against uh, communism. And then you had the communists, you had the, the, largely the Soviet Union, I don't think China really got involved, but you had the Soviet Union that was sponsoring their own uh, groups, usually Shia groups was, was who they were sponsoring, like in, in Iran. Um, but you had them sort of using these, these radical groups as chess pieces. What, I'm not sure how to word this. What is it that's going to need to be taken for people 
in, in, in not just Muslims, but really everyone inside and outside that region to recognize the the outside involvement that has fostered these groups for for their own illicit purposes. It, there's definitely going to have to be an ideological shift, okay. right? Um, and you start with, you know, um, reinterpreting Islamic texts, right? A lot of the texts that these groups reference to are, you know, heavily cherry-picked. You know, plus, you know, you throw in, you know, Western uh, power involvement in that region, you know, it sort of, you know, reinforces their uh, argument. Like, look look, look what they're doing to us. This is why we need to be doing this, right? Um... So it's definitely, we, there has to be a shift back towards classical Islam than there is today. Because, um, you know, I mean, for like example, the Taliban, right, in the, in the 70s and the 80s, Ronald Reagan at one point considered them the modern founding fathers. <laughs> right. No, I know. Yep. You know, now the Taliban, when it first originated, right, it, 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 it comprised of students. That's what the word stands for. Al-Taliban, Al-Talib, the learners, right? There, there were students who were fed up with, you know, involved, like foreign involvement in their country. So they right. got together and, you know, at one point they were fighting a noble cause. And it was when, you know, the infiltration of, um, you know, foreign powers in terms of the, in terms of the ideology, that's when we began to see that change, you know? So... Now, at one point, the Taliban almost eradicated poppy fields, you know, in Afghanistan. Now it's like one of the leading export uh, exporters of, you know, heroin. <laughs> well, when we talk, so when we talk about the the opioid epidemic, the reason for the opioid epidemic is because the price of heroin, everything that derives from poppies, um, is at an all time high. There's some feedback. Sorry, that was my that was my hookah. Oh, okay, no problem. Um, but yeah, the you know, the, and the reason that that, that prices are at all time lows for for that stuff, um, that's making it che- you know cheaper than ever or cheaper than it's been in decades. The reason for that is because access to poppy seeds is at an all time high, and the reason for that is because where it had been eradicated in Afghanistan or all but eradicated, it's now basically being protected by the U.S. military. Um, so you can take what you want from that. Uh, when they say they're fighting the war on drugs, they're fighting both sides of it. Um, so one of the problems obviously is that when you hear people talk about reforming or like you said, and and reinterpreting is almost the wrong word. It's, it's interpreting it the way it used to be, you know, going back to a classical interpretation, the people that call for that are often, you know, there's death threats or they get killed. I mean, there's, there's a lot of blowback about that. So it's just really going to take brave people to say, Hey, look, this is not how we used to be. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you have the Wahhabis to blame for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, they're the, um, the, you know, they lead the forefront to extremism in many cases. Right. Right. You know? And if anything, Wahhabism is more cultural than it is religious. A lot of the practices they implement, you know, in Saudi Arabia pre-existed, you know, predates the arrival of Islam. Right. 
you know, I mean, you look at the, like, for example, the Burka, right? Or, um, you know, the, uh, yeah, like, you know, the Burka, like, there is no, like, I, I read through the Quran, there is no mention anywhere that says women have to cover their entire bodies. It says at best that, you know, women should dress modestly. And that means the hijab, right? But right. again, even when it comes to that, it is not, should not be forced on. It is a choice that a woman must make by herself, right? I mean, my mother is a devout Muslim. You know, she prays five times a day. She gives charity. Mm. She's planning on doing, you know, hajj. Um, you know, she uh, fasts on Ramadan and she doesn't wear the hijab. The hijab is not an indicator of who is or isn't a good Muslim. Right. It's not set in stone. It's, it's, it doesn't say you have to cover your hair. It's, it says dress modestly, but that in many ways, many times is kind of determined by that, that civilization, that society at that time, what is considered modest. So obviously, you know, um, and it's funny because so uh, we have a home in Toronto and we live in an area that's heavily Muslim. I'd say maybe, I don't know, a third to maybe even half. I mean, it's it very heavily uh, Muslim and also Sikh. But so there's a phenomenon there in because in, it's a metro area that we live in um, or a suburb of a metro area. You'll see women that are wearing a hijab, but they're also wearing like high cut booty shorts and, <laughs> and, and halter tops. And, you know, you can see most of their most of their uh their cleavage and um but they got the hijab on you can't see a bit of their hair and um and i think you know this is i don't think this is in keeping with the spirit of of modesty here this is a very legalistic interpretation of like okay well my hair's covered so i'm modest um that's sort of the other extreme of 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 what we're talking about but um yeah it's 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 crazy to me um i completely lost my train of thought there i was thinking about a woman in booty shorts um uh booty shorts uh classical interpretation and oh so one of the things that first made me because i i was you know coming out of being told uh coming out of being told you know the muslims want to kill you um and then you know sort of being somewhat of a neocon for a while i would i wasn't i wouldn't say i was anti-muslim like as individual muslim people but i was against the idea of of islam in in a large part because i didn't know more than what i was being told by uh, neocon groups and, and affiliated groups. Um, and so one of the things I saw that first made me think, I think something's wrong here was they showed, uh, there was this thing, this video or picture or something like that. Uh, I don't know, this would have been maybe 10 years ago now. Um, but they were showing pictures of what, uh, Kabul looked like in the seventies, um, or in the sixties. And they showed what, um, uh, uh, what's the capital of Iran? Uh, Tehran looked like in the in the fifties you know, and sixties, and they showed what Beirut looked like. And these countries were almost, you know, what these capitals looked like, what they looked like, and what the people looked like was almost indistinguishable from what um from what Europe would have looked like. European cities would have looked like at the time. Um, very similar dynamics, very modern, you know, what, what, not what you would expect if you're, if you're looking at some of those places now. And, um, and then they showed, you know, a picture of bin Laden when he was a kid and he's next to like a 57 Chevy and he's dressed like, you know, any other kid would be, you know, in the West would be from the, from the sixties or, uh, sixties or seventies, whatever it was. And, um, and then they showed that and then they showed what those places look like now. And they said, uh, this is what happens when you let Islam in. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, 
Well, that's weird because I thought Islam was in those places pretty, pretty decidedly long before the 1960s and 70s. And that's what that was one of the first things that kind of made me go and look at those things. Um, I'm curious because I don't speak Arabic and, you know, I, I love the, the memory memes as much as anyone else. But uh, is there talk about like in in Arab media at large? Is there talk about the fact that it wasn't like this even a generation or two ago? Is that even talked about? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's um, It's been bought up in, in, um, in some cases, right? But due to influence of hardliners, it's usually just disregarded. Mm. You know, it's just brushed aside. Um, you know, you got to keep in mind that Islam back then, during the caliphates and the empires, it was a, a lot more liberal than what it is today. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Not even close, yeah. Um, it's this, like, you know, it, it's not, you know, Islam was not all, like, Islamic society today was not always the way it has been, right? right. I mean, if you took someone from, you know, the 10th century and you put them in Egypt, it'll be, or, you know, Iran or Saudi Arabia, they'll be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right, right. They'll be so confused. Right. Um, and it's just, like, like you know, like I said earlier, um, it's easy to, you know, convey a certain idea when there are actions being taken that reinforces what these hardliners are saying. Right. You know, um, but let me, let me tell you a story. Okay. All right. That uh, happened to me back in high school. So, um, and that, and this is, this was actually one of the pivotal moments that, you know, gave me that push like, okay, I need to look into this a bit more because what I've been told and what I've seen contradicts what just happened. So I used to have my, I used to have this Jewish uh, friend of mine, we'd hang out all the time, right? She'd come over, we'd play video games. So I was, you know, I was a sophomore in high school. My little brother, you know, youngest, uh, youngest of three. And, uh, you know, he was like around 10, 11 years old at the time. So, you know, she was over, she was, you know, we were hanging out and I decided, let me just poke some fun at her. So I told my little brother, you know, I called my little brother and I go, son, come over here. What do we, you know, uh, what was it like? Um, so there's this joke that I had that if you throw a penny in front of a Jew, they'll go hurriedly, you know, pick it up and claim it as their own, right? Right, right, right. right. So I told my brother, you know, what do we do when we see Jews? So I was expecting him to say, oh, throw a penny because they'll go and get it, right? That's some lighthearted <laughs> fun. Right. But then he says... Oh, we kill them. Oh God. <laughs> and I I was shocked. I was like, what? Because okay, even though my parents had Al Jazeera and Al Horn, they never said kill the Jews. Ever. Right. I've never witnessed my parents say that. So when my brother said that, I was so caught off guard and the look on my friend's face, it was like, I am so sorry. And I scolded right. my brother. Like, I yelled at this out, yeah. Yeah, I yelled at my brother. Right. Um, you know, I was like, where did you hear this from? He was like, oh, from my friends at the mosque. Mm. I'm like, what? Who are you hanging out with? Right, you right. know? 
You know, so I, I started questioning. I was like, you know, who told you this exactly? Who said that we got to kill Jews? Oh, well, you know, all my friends, you know, uh, they said that the Jews want to kill us, so we must kill them first. Right, right, right. And, you know, that, you know, terrified me. I was like, you know, what the hell, you know, what sort of influence, you know, is my brother, you know, it, you know what sort of influence are they having on my brother? So I went and told my dad what happened, Right. So my dad, you know, called him, you know, masjid, and he spoke to the director and told him what happened. So, you know, as it turns out, there was, um, amongst his circle of friends, they were basically, you know, reinterpreting what was being said in the ceremonies, right? Mm, okay. you know, coupled with what they were seeing on the news. Right. So, right, right. you know, to them, it made sense. But, you know, this highlights a much bigger problem. It's, it's that, you know, take that small group of children and apply it to a bigger demographic. You know, okay. you have, you know, you know, extremist preachers just feasting on that ignorance. Yep. You know, yep. be like, we have to do this. We have to do that because look, look at what's happening, you know, to the Muslims. Yeah, it's coming you know, from a place look, of fear. It's not coming from this evil, we hate Jews and want them to die. It's like, they're trying to kill us. We have to stop them. Exactly. Right. And, you know, and that's when I realized that the problem isn't only, you know, out of Israel. It's also within our own communities. There, right. there are people that are, you know, proactively calling for, you know, the killing of Jews. Right. right? And they told, they know you do that without, even when they, even if they know that it's wrong, it's for political gains. It's political purposes. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, there's always an ulterior motive. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it was that, you know, pivotal point which got me to, you know, do my own research because that was, you know, how the hell was a 10-year-old kid going to say, kill the Jews? Like, that does not just come out of nowhere, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean? He didn't just make that up himself, exactly. Yeah, so, that's correct. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, so... And, uh, and there are probably Jews doing it too. I don't see it as much with Jews. You see Christians casually talk about killing Muslims. And it's like casually, like it's not even like, oh, you know, uh, we got to stop them before they stop. Just like joking about, um, and even if they don't say killing the Muslims, there was a big deal when Ted Cruz was, uh, when, they, when they were still doing the Republican primaries and Ted Cruz said something about, um, oh, I forget, it was something related to nuking, nuking the Middle East. And it was something like... Yeah, we, we yeah. I don't know if it if if glass if if uh, sand glows in gla- into glass when it when it's nuked, but we're gonna find out or something like that. And he got and he did it at like a church, and they laughed. And I'm thinking, you just talked about. I mean, nuking an area means mass murder of hundreds of thousands, or maybe even millions or tens of millions of people. That's and you casually joked about it, and it was and decidedly he wasn't talking about doing it to Israel or, or you know Greece. He was talking about doing it to to a, you know the Muslim world, whether it was Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, wherever, Egypt, wherever. Um, and and it's it's a very but but that also comes from fear. So I mean, it's like you said, you've got you know people in power that use anxieties that they've been fostering to get people to advocate for or be okay with things that they'd never be okay with. I mean, that's how the Holocaust happens. That's how, um, that's how any of these, you know, terrible things happen. So, um, one thing that I, I keeps, I keep forgetting to bring up, you were talking about, um, uh, you were talking about, uh, customs that people will use and say, this is an example of, um, you know, Islam being barbaric. One thing that keeps coming up is, um, uh, what is it called? Female genital mutilation. And they'll say, this is proof that Islam is violent. 
or, or Islam is, you know, backwards or whatever. And I'll say, um, I'll say, but they don't do that in the Arab world. They don't do that in Central Asia. That's specifically in parts of Africa that yes, they are Muslim or most of them are Muslim, but they were also doing that long before Islam. That's a, that's a cultural thing that has nowhere in the Quran is there anything even resembling that. And they'll go, well, you know, the other ones aren't doing it because they aren't doing Islam right. And I'm like, that's interesting that you, you've taken, you've, you've sided with the, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, very, you've decided with Boko Haram on what Islam is. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's just a, it's a weird thing to me. Um, let me see, uh, where we are with comments. Um, so my friend John Liberty says, do we know for sure this isn't fake news and Spike didn't hire this man to pretend to be a Muslim? Looks Italian to me. Puma shirt. A lot of questions, buddy. Let me tell you something. He's wearing a schmog, okay? So, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm committed to good production values, but I'm not that committed to good production values. But I'll give you a chance. What, what, so if someone asks you if you're Italian, what's your response to that? Sorry, are you asking me or are you asking... Uh, no, I'm asking you. If it, uh, are, are you Italian, sir? My, no, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Unless my DNA test lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do a twenty-three and me on you. You're from your your family's from Egypt, correct? So it's uh, it's actually a mix. So my father's uh, side of the family they come from like the Gulf region, right? Oh, okay. Um, so my mother is like part Lebanese, part Turkish, but her family has resided in Egypt for you know multiple generations. As well as my dad's family. Oh, okay, okay. So they're ethnically. <laughs> They're ethnically from other places, but they're they they reside they've resided in Egypt for a long time. Yeah, like um, genetically, they're not Egyptians. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, who can you call you know Egyptian? It's, it's been you know Egypt's been the center of like multiple conquests throughout you know human history. So there there's definitely you know a lot of mixing going on. Um, so I think you know I you know side note. I was interested to know, you know, who would be truly considered the Egyptian, you know, the ancient Egyptians today. And as it turns out, the Coptic Christians would be the closest thing to what the ancient Egyptians were. Mainly oh, because you mean during the period of the dynasties and the pyramids and all that. Okay. Okay. Exactly. And it's the Coptic Christians who resemble the ancient Egyptians uh, back then. Why? Because they did not basically mingle with the other groups that came and went you know they mostly kept within their own communities and i just mm. found that fascinating that so is if you fascinating. Want, yeah so if you want you know to know what an ancient egyptian looked like just go visit a coptic community in egypt and there's your answer <laughs> that's very interesting something i told you about that i had just found out i think weeks before um before we i told you um because i, I was curious i'm like okay because when people would say well, why are Jews white or why are Ashkenazi Jews white? Why are the majority of Jews Ashkenazi and why are they white if they come from the Middle East? And I'd say, well, because we've been in Europe for, you know, thousands of years and they go, okay, but why are you white? Like that explains why you were in Europe, but why are you white? And I'm like, well, we, I guess, intermingled at some point. So I I didn't have a good answer to that. Um, So I started reading about it and it turns out uh, and, and you can thank the Cohens for this. So the Kohanim, the the, the Levitical uh, priesthood tribe, we were up until 
I say recently, within the last couple hundred years, in most of the more um, orthodox sects of of, uh, of Judaism, we were not allowed, uh, I guess, to prevent inbreeding because there weren't that many of us to begin with. Um, in order to prevent inbreeding, we were only allowed to marry and consequently to have children with women that we converted uh, to Judaism. And so, and of course, they had to convert because in Judaism, uh, 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 Judaism comes from the mother. Um, the so so uh, the Co- the Kohanim had to find basically. I mean, back then in Europe, it was white women. There weren't a lot of you know African migrants in Europe at the time. They uh, they 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 married and intermingled with white women. And after I don't know a few hundred generations of doing that, now we look like this. So the next time you see a white Jew, think of Cohen. And if, if, if the white Jews a Cohen, you can just thank him himself for being white. I'm not sure why you do that, but um, that was a that was an interesting thing I found out. And uh, in keeping with the tradition, both uh, I and my father did the same thing, and we didn't even know we were supposed to. Um, so, well, Kareem, I've had a blast having you on. And uh, before I let you go, um, I just want to give you a chance to give any um, final thoughts, anything that you want to talk about that you didn't get a chance to. Um, to say, by the way, uh, John Liberty says that was not convincing, but great show. Um, and then Sherry Doe says, I know Kareem, and I assure you he's absolute Muslim. Thank you, Sherry. Um, but um, any final thoughts, anything that you we haven't had a chance to talk about that you'd like to say, anything you want to plug? The the, the floor is yours, sir. Um, so just real quick, you know, on domestic issues, right? Okay. Um the whole, like, you know, I, I, you know, I hope to run for office, you know, one day in the near future, right? And I've had some pushback saying, "Oh, well, you know, how do you know we're not trying, you know, trying to advance Sharia?" I was like, "Why would I purposely put myself, align myself with a party that was, that was already suspicious of me? If I wanted <laughs> to implement Sharia, I would, you know, become a Democrat, right, 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 <laughs> you know, and run on a Democratic platform." Because, you know, they're so much more friendlier to people of minorities, you know, to the point where they're afraid of offending them. So they just accept what they're doing. Right. right? The van of peace. Right. Yep. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I didn't mean to throw you off. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It was funny. Um, so it's not, you know, like it, it's like I, I promise you Muslims are not trying to implement Sharia law in the United States. It's just, you know. It's too big of a hassle. It's not worth it. <laughs> you know, there's like what, um, you know, the U.S. Is one of the, has the highest populations of gun owners. You know, it's not going to happen. You know, it's a fear that's been propagated by far right um, just to, you know, have you support their stupid ass foreign policy and whatnot. Yep. Um, you know, the West is not under threat by Islam at all. Um, and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the terrorism stems from Western interventions and because these problems did not exist, you know, pre, you know, 1900s, <laughs> you know, yep. there weren't, you know, people going around, you know, um, calling to like slave, you know, non-Muslims. If that was the case, then they would have done so way early in, you know, right. Right. Um, you know, Arabian history. Yep. But, it's just, um, you know, and this one, you know, one, one final factoid, right? You know, to those that say, well, you know, Muslims want to kill all the Jews and Christians, you know, when in, in the 10th and 11th century, when Saladin 
um, liberated Jerusalem from the hands of uh, the Christians, Jews were not allowed beforehand to, you know, live in Jerusalem. It was because of Saladin's um, compassion that he opened the city to Jews and invited them back in to live in peace and harmony with the Muslims. Right. You know, um, a lot of the, you know, historically speaking, Jews have faced far more hostilities from Christians and Catholics than they have from Muslims. You know, and in many points, you know, especially during the uh, Inquisition, there were multiple attempts by Muslim empires to bring in those who are being persecuted into the Middle East that so they can be safe. You know, um, so it's just, you know, don't fall victim to this whole, you know, mentality that, you know, us Muslims are trying to kill you guys because that is just simply not true. You know, you're people of the book, you're protected, you know, Christians, you know, Jews are, are all people of the book in Islam. You know, they should not be harmed. They should not be killed. They should be respected. End of story. Yep. Yep. Listen, I as soon as I started reading this stuff, I'm like, the people that are anti-Islam and, and against Muslims and scared of Muslims, they're using the same stuff that they say about Jews. You know, when Jews say, you know, we're not out to get you, we just want to get along, and they go, oh, well, you know, the Talmud says this, and it's like, no, it doesn't say that, and, and you know, you're you're doing blood libel, and it's like literally the same thing that they do, that they do with, uh, with, with, with Muslims as well. So I, it was, like I said, it was very freeing to see that that was the case, that it was like, oh, yeah, that's what they do about us too. And one thing I've told people is I'm like, look, there's like 40 million Jews or 35 million. We're a diminutive population that is very heavily centered in basically two countries and then has some, you know, some levels in a few other countries. We're very, if, if, if the people that we are routinely told all want to kill us actually all wanted to kill us, we'd all be dead. Um, or there'd be a massive battle at all times. So I, so anyway, so I, I appreciate that. Kareem, you're such a good friend. Thank you so much for coming on. Stick around. I'm going to talk with you during the outro, um, uh, during the outro music. But um, guys, thank you again for joining us and my fellow Americans. My, uh, uh, we may, uh, <laughs> Sherry Doe says I'd sit next to you on a plane. I don't know if you're talking about me or Muhammad, but thank you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'd, and I'd sit next to, or not Mohammed, Kareem. Uh, I'd sit next to Kareem on a plane. I haven't been calling you Mohammed, have I? No. Oh, thank God. I just got a shock of like, have I been calling him Mohammed the whole show? I didn't think so. Uh, Kareem, thank you again. Uh, guys, thank you for joining us on My Fellow Americans. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Thursday, join Matt Wright, uh, on the writer's block. I have no idea who his guest is, but you're going to, it's going to blow your mind. Whoever it is, you're going to, your mind's going to be blown I think he knows who it is. I don't know who it is. Um, and then uh, join us. Oh, Monday. God willing, inshallah. On Monday, uh, Muhammad M. Shaker is having is planning to have his inaugural episode of Mo Liberty with Bro Hamid. That'll be Monday the 7th. Um, so definitely check that out. Then join us again on Tuesday. Uh, for the Muddy Waters of Freedom with me and Matt Wright. We will be parsing through the week's news and telling you what happened and why you should care uh, or not. And then uh, I don't believe that I'm going to be having an episode uh, of My Fellow Americans on Wednesday. Uh, I may or may not. I'm leaning towards not doing it. Um, I'm going to be out of town 
and I don't feel like bringing all this crap with me in a hotel room. So, um, so uh, if I do, I may just do something on my phone, but more than likely, I won't be having an episode. But again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Kareem, for joining us. And uh, we will see you tomorrow on the writer's block and on Monday and Tuesday and all the other things I said. Thank you again for joining us and God bless you. Oh,